Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Do you ever get the feeling that God is a hidden God? That he really isn't there in a way that you can see and touch and hear him, especially when you seem to need him the most? A lot of people seem to think that way sometimes. You've probably all heard the old story about the footprints in the sand, right? It's quite popular on greeting cards and many wall plaques. A man who had gone to heaven was looking back upon his life, and it appeared to him as a vision. He was walking along a beach with God. He noted that most of the time there were two sets of footprints side by side in the sand. But sometimes... There was only one set of footprints, and these always seemed to be at the times during his life when he was having the most trouble, when he was the most discouraged and faced the greatest temptations. So we asked God about this. Lord, he said, I thought you promised Christians that you would always be with us to care for us and to help us. Why is it that when I was in my toughest times, I only see one set of footprints. How is it that you could leave me then? Well, we know, of course, that God replied, I love you, my child, and I would never, ever leave you. Those times when you only see one set of footprints in the sand, those are the times that I carried you. That story isn't from the Bible, of course, although many people think that it is. Nevertheless, it does illustrate how people sometimes come to think of God as being hidden from us or distant from us or not being there according to our expectations. Many people do certainly think that way sometimes. In our Old Testament lesson for today, Isaiah records the Lord's revelation to him. Early on in this text, Isaiah describes a very majestic, almost an inaccessible God. He speaks of God's eternal nature and his enthronement far above this realm where we mortals dwell. He is so far above us, Isaiah writes, that we might seem like insects to an outside observer. The heavens are compared to a mere tent for God. Isaiah continues by going on to describe how Earthly governments and powers are so insignificant compared to the Lord. He brings princes to naught and reduces rulers of this world to nothing, Isaiah writes. That is, God doesn't just humble them, they are made a great, big, fat zero. They're no more durable than plants, we are told. Planted, sprouting, growing for a while, yes. But in God's good time, they are withered, and they blow away like chaff or dry leaves. God's own words then thunder down upon Isaiah and upon Israel and upon us, challenging us to reply, if we dare, To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all this? The Lord asks much as he once asked faithful Job when that man's faithfulness was wavering. 
You and I are left fumbling for words, aren't we? Because we have no answer but, Lord, have mercy. Confronted with the infinite nature of God and awed by his power, we can do no more. He seems like an angry and distant God when he speaks like that. Isaiah's words even record the complaint of the Israelites who felt that God was distant and was paying them no attention. My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by God. They were suffering all sorts of difficulties at this time, and they felt abandoned. And this is where many believers and unbelievers alike seem to get stuck. They see or they experience suffering, and they either conclude that there is no merciful God, or that whatever God does exist is somehow a fickle one, finding joy or perhaps at least a detached, amused entertainment in the sufferings of mortal man. With minds informed by the scriptures, though, and hearts shaped by the understanding that the Holy Spirit provides us, we know that this isn't the case. Since all good things, including life itself, are undeserved gifts from God, we have no basis for complaint if for his own purposes our Lord chooses at times to withhold or to withdraw some of his blessings. They are his to give or his not to give. Occasionally, it does seem as if God is hiding himself, or at least is hiding some of his goodness from us. And in some spheres of our lives, that hiddenness may seem to go on for an extended period quite often. He might hide things that we consider good. God does, for example, sometimes chasten us for our rebelliousness. God does sometimes allow circumstances to test us and to push us. He may use adversity to strengthen us and to purify our faith like a metalsmith skimming off the dregs of molten gold. And sometimes God may even let things be taken away that we want or that we like. He wants us to have complete dependence upon him as our creator and as our eternal heavenly father and not upon those things of this creation that will soon pass away. We have to understand that he is not hiding himself from us at times like these. He is actually working very actively at such times in his world and in our lives and especially in our hearts to bring us closer to him in repentance and in thanksgiving. We heard in the gospel reading for today about how Jesus came to troubled peoples or how they sometimes came to him and how he helped them. First, he healed Simon Peter's mother-in-law of a fever. Later that evening, it seemed as though everyone in town who had any sort of affliction also came to the house to be healed or to be cleansed. Now, Jesus didn't mind curing the diseases and driving out demons because Jesus is a God of love. Yet Jesus wanted to keep a low profile to some extent also. He did not want those demons that he cast out speaking because they could identify just who he was. And he wasn't quite ready to have that become common knowledge yet. And so, early the following morning, knowing that more and more people would be trying to approach him for healing and for other miracles, 
Jesus leaves town. He seeks out some privacy so that he might pray in peace. Peter and the others come looking for him. When they finally locate Jesus, they tell him what he already knows. Everyone is looking for you. Jesus hadn't really been hiding, of course. He simply wasn't making himself available to people on the terms that they wanted. And that's the real problem, isn't it? Like the people of Capernaum, or like Job, or like those in Isaiah's time, we want a God, we want a Savior sometimes on our terms. A God who meets our expectations and our wants and desires. A God who fits into the mold or the box that we'd like to construct for him so that we can take him out like a tool or a toy to use how and when it suits us. Sometimes we want a God who will make us feel better, physically or emotionally. Sometimes we want a God who will address our earthly desires for comfort or possessions or relationships. Sometimes we want a God who will be our buddy, a friend who will tell us everything that we want to hear so that we can feel less lonely or so that we can feel better about ourselves. But the thing is, that's not the sort of God that we truly need. While God certainly can fulfill any and all of those desires when he wishes, and he will fulfill them when it suits his purposes, we can't and we shouldn't expect that he's always going to do so on our timetable or in accordance with our expectations and demands. When we start asking for things our way, or when we begin praying in this way, we're making demands instead of requests. We're setting ourselves up to be the boss rather than the servant. We're taking on the role of parent, not child. We're not allowing for thy will be done. When you come right down to it, Making demands of God or insisting that God do things our way to fit our desires and our wants turns the whole universe upside down. It makes us into God, and it tries to remake God in our image. And that's not right. In fact, that's arrogant. It's presumptuous. It's blasphemous. In a word, it's sin. Yet even today the disciples' words to Jesus remain true. People everywhere are looking for Jesus. Or at least they're looking for something that addresses their emptiness and their despair and their suffering. Something that undoes their deep concern that much of what we see and say and feel and do is meaningless. That there must be something more. Most people will look for it in all of the wrong places in their work, in money, in clothes or cars or houses. Some seek it in much learning, but too often this is the sort of knowledge that puffs up, not the love which builds up. Still others seek it in power or prestige or fame or in drugs or in alcohol or in other bad habits. And of course, Many have sought it and mistakenly think that they have somehow found it in faith that, will, faith that will lead them only to destruction and to condemnation. These people depend upon their own works and their own obedience and their own piety 
rather than throwing themselves humbly at the feet of God and receiving his mercy in Christ Jesus. Jesus will have nothing to do with those villagers' attempts to mold him into the sort of prophet and healer and savior that they want. He tells the disciples that they are going to go somewhere else for a while, to other villages, so he can preach there too. That is why I have come, he says. Jesus had come to preach the gospel of repentance and forgiveness. He had come to explain the gospel of repentance and forgiveness, such as when he tells them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the authorities and be killed and after three days rise again. Most importantly, Jesus had come to be the gospel, the word of God made flesh, so that by his death and resurrection, all of our sins might be forgiven, including our sins of trying to govern God and to change God and even to be God. In that forgiveness, we are once again reconciled to God so that we may live under him in his kingdom. For without the gospel which Jesus came to preach, we are doomed to make the same mistakes as the people of Capernaum. Without the gospel working in us, we would try to make God into a God of our own design, to cling to the wrong things, to seek out the temporary instead of the eternal. When we do this, it's not so much that God hides from us, but that we hide God. We obscure and we confuse his message to us instead of trusting it and accepting it through the faith that only he can provide. The faith that he gives us helps us to rightly hear his gospel, which is still given to us today in his holy scriptures and in faithful preaching and liturgy and song. It is spoken to us in the absolution. It is splashed upon us with water and it is consumed with bread and wine. So long as we remain in the faith that this gospel provides, Jesus will not leave the house of our hearts and go off to a solitary place. He will not be a hidden God. Instead, he will always be before you and with you and within you, guiding your thoughts and your words and your deeds in ways that will be pleasing to him. We will still stumble, that much is true. We will still be tempted, and we will often still think that God is a hidden God. And at times like that, it might be difficult to resist trying to make him into the God that we would like him to be, instead of the God that he has revealed himself to be. It was in his preaching, more so than in his healing and in his miracles, that Jesus revealed who he was and why he had come. Jesus healed, certainly. He provided food to multitudes, true. He drove out demons that were governing and ruining people's lives. But primarily, Jesus came to preach and to explain and to be the gospel, the love of God made real for you and for me, the love of God applied to sinners so that they might live. Let him touch you then and relieve the fever and the frenzy of your worldly worries. Let him drive out your demons of anxiety 
and your fear of death. Let him cure you of the disease of your sin, which would kill you for all of eternity without his healing blood. Everyone is looking for Jesus indeed, but he has found you. He is not hidden from you. He has not hidden his gospel message from you. He has come near to you. He dwells right within you, and he will remain with you now and forever. Amen.